Tonight I'm speaking on the best seat in the house. Let's just pray. Father, we come to you tonight, Lord, and we ask you that, Lord, you'll draw us closer to you. You're the most important person in our lives, Lord. And Lord, as we lift up the name of Jesus, you'll draw all people to yourself. And so, Lord God, we pray that you reveal yourself to people tonight, Lord God, by the power of your Holy Spirit. And we pray for everybody who's watching online, that, Lord, they'll have a revelation of Christ, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Loose Gospel, chapter 14 and verses 8 to 11. So he told them a parable to those who were invited. And when he noted that those who chose the best places, saying to them, when you're invited by anyone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in the best place. Lest one more honorable than you being invited by him. And he who invited you and him comes to you and says to you, give this place, give this, give place to this man. And then you begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you're invited, go and sit down into the lowest place so that when he who invited you comes, he says to you, friend, go up higher. And then you'll have glory in the presence of those who sit at the table with you. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. We're living in a time and a season of humility. I don't know about you, but when anybody went down to see the Grenfell Tower, that was one of the most humble experiences of my entire life. Uh, we took 25 people from the church down there just to pray. We collected a lot of food, a lot of clothing, as many people did. And we thought, well, what else can we do? Well, let's just be on site. Let's just be on site praying, supporting. People were crying and we stood outside the tower. What could you pray? What could you do? Except your heart was moved. Your heart was moved. And that brought me to the sense of what real prayer and what real relationship with God is all about. It's something about a heart change. Something happens in the heart. A, a humility that comes from heaven, as if it were. A humility that comes from the heart. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but if you're trying to seek God, you want to strive for humility. You want to try and be like God. But I found that humility seems to be something very slippery, something that you maybe you achieve one day, but then you let go the next. It seems something that you can never possibly grab a hold of. Well, here in this passage of Scripture, religion is, its motive is to get the best place. If you read in the few verses before, one to five, you'll see how the Pharisees had an encounter with Jesus Christ. And there was a man ill with dropsy. And it was on the Sabbath. And the Pharisees were waiting to see if Jesus would heal on the Sabbath. And they were arguing, thinking, is he going to heal on the Sabbath? Is he not going to heal on the Sabbath? And there was a debate. And then Jesus shares this scripture out of this example. And he says, you know, some people are going for the best seats and the best places. I was talking to my brother-in-law. He's a United fan, but he got tickets to the Emirates. Anybody love Arsenal here tonight? Well, not many of you anyway. God bless you. And he was in the box at the Emirates, and he said it was the most amazing experience except going to Old Trafford, of course. And he had three-course meal and got the best seats. I don't know what the best seat that you've ever taken is in life. I remember having the privilege and the honor of sitting next to Van der Holyfield when he was giving his uh, testimony at Mission to London. And I also sat next to Reinhard Bonker uh, and had the privilege of that and having conversation. And sometimes we, we want the best seats, don't we? We want the best seats in the house. And I don't know what the best seat in the house of KT is tonight. Maybe it's the front row. Congratulations, guys, here at the front. Maybe it's just there in front of the sound desk. 
You can just hide away a little. Well, maybe this is right at the back where no one can see you tonight. Hello. How are you guys doing at the back there? You know, I believe that in back row encounters with God, amen? I used to be one of those back row believers. Somehow I could come into the back and then slip out as quickly as possible. But you know, God sees you exactly where you're seated. And he saw these Pharisees. He saw their motive. And he says, you know, you're always going for the best seat. You're always going to be seen by people. That's what you're trying to grab a hold of. But if you're going to embrace the kingdom of God and you're going to embrace a relationship with God, sometimes you have to take the lowest seat. Sometimes you have to take the seat of humility. I don't know what your expression of humility is. Here's a definition of humility. It's a spontaneous recognition of the creature's absolute dependence on his creator. Or another definition, humility is not so much a grace or a virtue along with others. It is the root of all because it alone takes the right attitude before God and allows him as God to do all. It is simply the sense of entire nothingness which comes when we see how truly God is all and in which we make way for God to be all. Another definition, my definition is, God, I cannot do it without you. I don't know if that's your definition, but until you get to the point in life where you cannot do it without God, you can't be saved. You can't be a Christian without acknowledging that you cannot do it without God. And as a Christian... You cannot continue to live the Christian life until you admit that you cannot live the Christian life without God. This is what the Pharisees were doing. Maybe they start out in the right way. They start out being passionate about Judaism, passionate about God, but then their priority was to keep the law and have the best seats in the house. They would get up and share the message. They would be seen by people. Now, when you start out in the Christian faith, You know, people say, well, well done, that was a good testament. Well done, that was a good song. Well done, that was a good sermon. And if you really got your heart right before God, you try to shake it off a little bit. And you try to say, oh, it's not me, it's God. All the glory be to God. Hallelujah. Anybody been there? You brush it off. But you know what? The more position you get, the more importance you get, the more accolades you get. Now, that's not to put any pressure on the mobile award winners and all the people who get these accolades and the artists, the artists are great tonight. But you know what? The more importance that we get, the titles, the pastor or the evangelist or the apostle or all this, and then we no longer minister out of this just humility, this simple passion for God. We're almost waiting to come down from the platform and we're waiting for somebody to say, that was really good. That was powerful. Oh, it's not, not me, it's God. And you brush it off. And the more people say it, that was really good. That was really powerful. Then you suddenly switch from being this humble kind of God. I need you. I can't do life without you. Oh, God, now I'm totally dependent on people telling me that that was good. So my identity comes from people who are telling me that was good rather than my identity coming from just my humility in God, my position in Christ. Now, this is the challenge Uh, for us who want revival, who want God to move. And when I was standing outside that Grenfell Tower, there was something moved inside of me. I wanted to go down there. I wanted to stand outside that tower. On Wednesday, after the tower, churches mobilized, food, clothing, but also they mobilized in KT. There was a prayer meeting here. 
And from 12 o'clock till 9 o'clock, we just cried out to God for a revival in the church, in the churches across the city and in London that God would do something. I remember being in that prayer meeting. I've been in many prayer meetings, but what could you say to God? I, don't, I didn't know what to pray. And I just, I was just down there in the corner. I just went right down on the floor, exactly like this. And I got right down on the floor and I just decided to block out everything and everyone. And I just cried out to God for his mercy and his grace on the United Kingdom. See, there needs to come a humbling in our lives in order to be a revival. In order for God to turn up, God's not going to give you something if you don't desperately want it. And God allows catastrophes and things to happen in our lives in order that we would say, God, we want more of you. At the beginning, amen. At the beginning, at the beginning of this year, I wrote down some simple prayers. I need you. I need you. That's been my prayer. It continues to be my prayer. Lord, more of you, less of me. More of you, less of me. Burn out everything that is of me and put in all that is of you. 2 Chronicles 7, 14 says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. So God promises healing. He promises forgiveness. He promises that he revive you. But there's a condition. There's seeking, there's praying, and there's repentance. And so I was teaching this to my son the other day and trying my best to be a good dad. Uh, any minute now, I might get a telephone call that Torian's going, uh, the contractions are happening, so I might just spin off and Chris has to be ready. Are you ready, Chris? That, that is the challenge of being a dad. So Torian's 38 weeks pregnant. We're just ready to go any minute now. But you know, I was teaching Judah how to pray and I said, you know what? Trying to get what prayer is all about when God says 2 Chronicles 7, 14 about seeking and revival. Well, what's the praying part? What position would you pray in? And so I said, well, it's the, it's the kneeling prayer, isn't it? It's the hands together. Our father type prayer. So can you kneel down? So you knelt down. And then I said to him, well, what's the seeking prayer? Seeking has no time limit. So I don't know when we put caps on our prayer lives whether that's good or not, seeking is something we seek and 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 we seek. And why are we seeking until we find? I remember being at Elam conference uh, in Telford and we lost our keys. I had a conversation with Toyin. You had the keys. No, you had the keys. No, you had the keys. No, you had the keys. And I had to humble myself and admit that I had the keys. And the keys went in the bin with the kebab packet and the chips. <laughs> And we contacted the operations department, Charles. And we said, you know what, Where, our keys are in that bin. Where's that bin gone? And she said, well, unfortunately, it's went way outside in those big trough bins where you can fit about, I don't know, 30 bin bags in there, 20 bin bags in there. I said, I need those big troughs. Get those big troughs. I need them now because I need my car keys. Now, I was in Telford. I need to be back in London. And the conference was, being, it was finishing. So how do we seek? Well... I humbly told Torian we needed to do this together. It had to be a marital affair. And so we started grabbing the bin bags through, slitting them, putting their hands in. Now, Torian being a doctor and being a cleanliness, she put on these really rubber gloves. 
Me, I was not really bothered about the rubber gloves. I just started digging through all the dirt, all the stuff, trying to find the keys. We went through 30, 40, 50 bin bags, and still we haven't found any. And then I said, there must be one that's left. There must be. Yes, there's one other that's way in the back. They brought it in. And after another 10 bin bags, Torian put her nice glove, protected hands thing right there, and she lifted up the keys. She lifted up the keys, and she found those keys out of all those bin bags. That's the type of seeking that we need for revival. That never quit, that seeking. So it's the walking type of prayer. Now, repentance, what is that? It's when you're walking one way and you have to humble yourself and acknowledge at this point, you have to acknowledge at this point that you are going the wrong way. So for example, I was in Harpenden, I moved to Harpenden two years ago, and the sat-nav did say that the leisure center was in a Pacific place. Now I have an internal sat-nav, I kind of know where I'm going most of the time, and I was looking at the signs and the houses, and I was driving down, and the sat-nav turned right, turned left, and I think I feel like I'm going the wrong way. I feel like, turn left, turn right, then it, this left looked like a little narrow street that was going into a field, and I thought this cannot possibly be the way to the leisure center, but it says the leisure center is just beyond that field, so I drove all the way down. As I drove all the way down, only to find that there was a dead end, a path where cyclists and others can walk, but cars can't go. And so I had to reverse all the way back up, reverse all the way backwards, half a mile, all the way up, and then I just said, you know what, forget this. Switch the sat-nav over and said, I'll find my own way. I had to make a decision to repent as if it were. I was going the wrong way. It was not the right way. Someone else was taking me. I mean, the sat-nav was taking me in the wrong direction. Repentance is turning away from the direction that you're going and you decide to humble yourself and say, God, I admit. I admit that I've got it wrong. I admit that I've got it wrong. Theresa May had to acknowledge that given the general election was probably a wrong decision. She had to admit she was incredibly humbled, as if it were. The queen didn't come out in all of her glory in the inauguration. RBKC during the, the tower, they've been incredibly humble. They didn't have their act together. Media attention has humbled them and caused certain people to quit and give up. Even in the week, this week, the new leader of RBKC was humbled again. So we're living in a time of humbling. Media is humbling people. God is humbling people. And unless we ourselves humble ourselves before God, God, in a sense, will humble us. But God wants to bring revival. God wants to save lives. God wants to turn lives around. And rather than seeking the best places in the synagogue and the best seats, wherever that may be, the best seat, as if it were, is the lowest seat. Can I have a seat from over there? Yeah, got seat, it'll be fine. Thank you. Just put it down here. I don't want another seat on the top here. The best seat is the lowest seat. Jesus said that if you humble yourself, you will be exalted. Now, Billy Graham was in his 60th birthday. Now, I don't know if you know who Billy Graham was. He's an, he was an evangelist, probably the greatest evangelist that the world has ever known from America. And he was celebrating dignitaries, politicians, presidents, and everyone was saying, Billy Graham was the greatest preacher that ever lived. Come and welcome him right now. 
And as Billy was about to give his speech, he just blurted out the words, I will not give my glory to another. I will not give my glory to another. And he says, thank you for your kind words, but please don't tempt me to take the glory, which is God's and God's alone. I wonder if we would have the same attitude because most of us, we, this, is, this is our lives in London. We live in a society where all of us want the best seat. We want the best job. We want the best salary. We want the best car. We want the best house. Everybody even is praying in holiness to God to give us the best things. But in society, the way society is, it doesn't matter who they run over, whether they run over you, whether they get ahead of you, whether they lie on you, cheat on you, as long as they get the best seat. But that's not the way of the kingdom of God, is it? Jesus said the way of the kingdom is the lowest seat, this seat here. Because he who takes the lowest seat then someone will come and actually say, friend, go up higher. What's your name, bro? Come and sit in the seat. Let's give it up for Frank. Now, how do you become a Christian? You become a Christian by being in the best seat. By being in the best seat. Now, if you're a Christian tonight, the Bible says you're seated with Christ in heavenly places. Now, it doesn't matter maybe a really good-looking person next to you tonight, whether you're privileged to be sitting next to that person or not, it doesn't matter. But the most important seat that you can ever take is to be next to Christ. Just imagine Christ is just there right now. You're seated next to Christ. You're going to heaven. You've been forgiven. You've been completely changed on the inside because you've made Jesus the Lord of your life. But the first seat that you need to take is the seat of humility. He says, I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. By grace is a man saved, not of works, lest any man should boast. It is the gift of God. So when you humble yourself before God, Christ comes down from the platform. And because the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2 that Christ humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. So on the cross, Christ died on the cross for you and I. And it was an act of humility. And the Bible says that everybody who walks must walk as Jesus walked. If you want to be discipled, if you want to be a disciple, you have to walk as Jesus walked. So Jesus humbled himself. He took the seat of humility. And the Bible says that God exalted him, the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So there's no higher seat than Jesus' seat. And praise mentioned this morning that we'll all have to come before the judgment seat of Christ. Everybody who's a friend of Christ will be saved. He who's not a friend of Christ will not be saved. If you're not seated next to Christ, you're seated next to somebody else, and that somebody else cannot save you. Only Christ can save you. So when you take the seat of humility, Christ takes your hand, and he walks you up. He says, friend, come up higher. And so Jesus takes the walk and he says, you know, come up higher and come and be seated with me. Come and be seated with me in heavenly places. And I fully adopt you as my son and as my daughter into the kingdom of God because you make the decision to humble yourself. All of the glory that is on Christ now becomes on you. 
The destiny that Christ had to bring the gospel to the world now comes on you. You are completely born again and completely renewed on the inside because Christ says, come up higher. Now, I wonder tonight if you have made that decision to make Christ the Lord of your life. The lowest seed is the best seed. The least desired seed is the best seat. There was an African student who came to a Bible school. I'm just telling this story for Gabriel. Came to a Bible school and they actually had beds in that Bible school, so maybe we'll have beds in the future. And the, the, the guy, or the dean said to the African student, listen, what kind of bed do you want? What kind of room do you want? And he gave him a choice. He said, you know what? The type of room that I want is the room that nobody else wants. The room that nobody else wants. A tear came to his eye. He was incredibly moved by that. Because most of us want the best room or the window room or the way the sun is shining in type of room. We make deals with God, but none of us want to take the lowest seat. The best seat is the seat of the learner. To be a disciple of Christ means to move forward with God. The Greek word methetes, which means follower or disciple, which means to be a learner, if you're going to move forward with God, you need to sit in the seat of the learner. In order to sit in the seat of the learner, you need humility. You need to humble yourself and say, God, you know what? I don't have it all together. I'm not perfect. What, you want to tell me what to do? You want to advise me? Oh, that's great. Awesome. I want to take advice from everybody because I want to learn. But if you're a little proud or a little arrogant, you say, what, you tell me what to do? Don't you tell me what to do. I know what I'm doing. You don't have to tell me what to do. I'm a Christian. You're a Christian. We're on the same level, aren't we? That's somebody who doesn't want to be discipled. But someone who wants to be discipled sits under Christ, sits under the church and say, hey, teach me. I want to learn. I don't have it all together. And as that relationship develops, the person moves forward with God. And the last of all, the best seat is the Lord's seat. Let's give it up. Frank, is it? Thank you, Frank. I want the band to come back right now. So humility, or the lowest seat, is the seat of revival. It's the seat of sacrifice. It's the seat that says, Lord, I'm going to turn up early for church. Lord, I'm going to stay late at night. It's the type of seat that gets before God and doesn't say, I'm going to put my prayer hour in or my second hour in. It says, God, I'm going to have a lifestyle of prayer. I'm going to seek you in the morning, in the evening. I'm not going to put any limits on you. It's the type of prayer that says, God, I need you. Humility is something that is a daily thing. I wrote this poem. And it kind of describes exactly what happens to you in the Christian life. When you're seeking humility. I've been searching for it, but it seemed... I was not able to find it, no matter how hard I looked. When I did eventually find it, I lost it. I mean, it just disappeared. And I wondered where I put it. How did I lose it? Mostly, I think it's because I got distracted, telling others I had found it, that I didn't place enough attention to where I'd kept it, so now I am back searching again. That's the heart of revival, the, the searching after God. The acknowledgement that you maybe once upon a time had found this humility that we're talking about. This humility that only Christ can give. This moving on the inside. This type of praying that is different 
to, to the usual type of praying, the relationship with God, where you come before God and you just simply say, God, you know what? Lord, I can't do life without you. Let's bow our heads in prayer right now. I'm going to give you an opportunity to make a decision for God tonight. I know there's believers here. I know we've had a great time of worship. But the first thing in being promoted in the kingdom is being a Christian. And the first thing you need to do is admit that you've missed the mark. Turn to him with all your heart. Ask him to forgive your sins and commit your life to him. Going back to that story that I shared with Judah, what is the position of humility? The position of humility is falling prostrate before God and saying, God, I want to get low because I want your name to be glorified. I want to get low that others come to know you. That is the position that God is calling the church to. It's a position of revival. It's a position where grace comes. God mocks the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. It's the key to God lifting you up out of the miry clay. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he would lift you up. It's the key to honor. Before honor is humility. It's the key to justification. When the tax collector cried out, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus asked the question, which one was justified? And they replied, the tax collector, because he was genuine, because he was real. It's the key to repentance. It's the key to praying. It's the key to love. It's the key to a good attitude. And it's the key to a teachable spirit.